Hey, well, we've been in this series that we started a few weeks ago called An Upgraded Faith. And what we've been talking about, I'm out of 2 Peter chapter 1, okay? I didn't make this up. I'm just like framing it in some, some fresh words for us to be able to like really think deeply about. But out of 2 Peter chapter 1, it's where Peter talks about how we can have a faith, okay? Check this out. A faith that is both effective and productive. Everybody say effective, effective. and productive. In other words, what Peter is doing is teaching us how we can have a useful faith. Because no one's got time for a useless faith. It's why we need to upgrade, and that's what Peter's getting after. So what, like, I've been thinking, like, how can I give you a picture of what's a, a useful faith? So over the years, we've had, you know, a bunch of different cars in our family. We've We've driven, you know, a handful of different vehicles, but there's been one recurring vehicle that has shown up in our family time and time again. Over the years, we have owned three Toyota Previas, okay? Three Previas, uh, that's the old Toyota van. It was kind of the the big egg-shaped van, if you remember that. You know what? Previous were very useful. They were, they were the, I think the only minivan, if I remember correctly, that was actually built on the Toyota truck chassis. So it kind of had this like truck vibe to it, even though it looked like a big giant egg. But I got a picture here um, of our van in our driveway. And you can kind of see why it was a little bit useful. I mean, you could pull out that middle seat. You could fold up the back, back row. And my wife, Kelly, loves Previous. In fact, if you ever see like a pristine old Previa, because I think they stopped making them like in 97 or something like that, like she probably would go and buy it, right? You just call it, Kelly, I got a Previa for you. This is really clean. You got to come check this out. What? And you, oh, and you accept gifts. So if somebody wants to give you a Previa, okay. She's going that name it and claim it route right here. I don't know. That's not what we preach here, babe. Okay. But I'm telling you, she seriously loves previews, and she is the packing queen. This is, this is like us getting ready to head out on vacation. And I'm telling you, this lady can just stuff it to the gills. Very, very useful. Okay? A useful vehicle. But... There is more than just the capacity that made it useful. Um, what Toyota did for the American make of this car, because it's only got this like little four-cylinder engine. But you know what? This little four-cylinder en- engine was supercharged. Now that didn't make it. That didn't make it fancy. That just made it like useful. Because without that supercharger, I'm telling you, this thing was gutless. And we found that out. Because one of our three previous um, had the experience of the supercharger going out. And we're like, what is going on with this vehicle? And I'm serious. I don't think without the supercharger that it could go more than eight miles an hour. <laughs> it's like that, that bad boy went out. And like you're just trying to get across the parking lot. And it's like, what is going on with our car? It's running. But it is pretty useless. 
And I think that that is a picture, friends, of our faith. God wants us to have a useful faith. And I'm telling you, there's too many people, even people who've like given their lives over to Jesus, and maybe you've met some of these folks. Maybe you meet one every day when you look in the mirror. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But what happens is, it's like, man, God's giving you this great thing. He's giving you a previa, right? He's giving you, he's giving you something so useful and helpful. But listen, if we do not upgrade that, if we do not add to our faith, what ends up happening over time is that faith becomes less effective, less productive, and friends, less use, useful. So what happens when then life takes you up a hill? You're going eight miles an hour, you know, and like all these cars are backing up behind you. In other words, what happens when your life takes a bit of a hit and you need that power? You you need that extra oomph. You need to be able to get on beyond it. Maybe your marriage going through something. Maybe your finances hit a real rough spot. Maybe your health. I mean, say, what are we going to do when our faith actually comes under persecution? Which, when we read the word, we we can see that's coming, right? Are you going to be someone with a useful faith? In other words, you're going to be able to stand in the face of those things and say, you know what? I I don't know how we're going to get through this, but I know we will get through this because we know that, man, our faith in God, who is above all things, who's given us his spirit to empower us, he is going to help us make it through all the way. Because it's not what our bank account says or what the doctor says. It's what God say. It's our faith in him. But listen, that is like a useful faith, effective and productive, where we get to be his people even in the hardest of situations. I don't want a faith that only goes eight miles an hour. (laughs) We all need this useful faith. Before moving from this topic of a useful faith and getting kind of to the topic that I want to share with you this morning, I want to layer in one more thought into your creative, redeemed imaginations on this topic, okay? If the goal is for us to become effective and productive, to have a useful faith, is there anything stopping God from allowing us to have a super effective, amazingly productive faith? I mean, is there anything that would like limit God from like, making us super effective and productive? I I don't think there is. I mean, we could get in the way of that, but there's nothing limiting God. I mean, listen, remember who our God is. This is the way he's described by Paul in Ephesians 3.20. He says this, he says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power, not my strength, through his mighty power that's at work in me to accomplish infinitely more than what we might ask or think. Now listen, I can ask for a lot. I can dream for big things. 
But what God's word tells us is he is so far above even what I can imagine that he is able to do infinitely more than those things that I could come up with on my own. Here's what I believe, going back to that Previa analogy. I believe that God can take my upgraded faith and supercharge it. Creating something that is so much more than I could have ever imagined. Now listen, when, I, when that happens in an individual's life, when someone comes to that point of like, there's all in and they're, they're adding to their faith all the things that we see in God's word to add and, and, and they're just like upgrading their faith, we would say that that is a person of great faith. Lisa, you are a woman of great faith. Amen? She is. She's a woman of great faith. Not perfect. The great faith. Amen. Now, when we, see, when we see that in the life of an individual, we say, man, that's a person, yeah, supercharged faith, person of great faith. But when that same thing happens within a group of people, not just an individual, but a group of people, yes. that supercharged faith happens like in this group, maybe this meeting together and they're praying and they're interceding and they're just saying, God, pour out your spirit. We want to be your people. We want to do anything that you call us to do. Maybe that happens in a church. Maybe that happens in a region. Multiple churches and then cities become packed. We don't just call that like, oh, those are people of great faith. We say that that is revival. That's the word for it, revival. It's where God in his power miraculously, like it's his strength at work, pours out, not just on a person, but like on a people. Not on an individual, but like on a church or on, a, on an area. Sometimes a real big area. God's reviving work. Our history has been dotted, I would say, with revivals. Don't have time this morning to kind of go back historically and trace revivals. Many of them are, you can find right in Scripture, but it, they didn't stop at the end of Revelation. I mean, they just keep going. There's been amazing revivals all over the world, including here in the United States. In fact, the Foursquare Church movement was birthed in revival in the early 1900s. A time called the Azusa Street Revival, where crazy, amazing things were happening globally. People just coming to Jesus. And it was in that moment, historical, cultural moment, that Foursquare was birthed in, out of one woman who just said, we're going for it. We're starting a church in Los Angeles. And out of all of that, there's tens of thousands of Foursquare churches around the world. It's amazing. Good things happen in revival. Yes. I am old enough, though, to remember the last revival that came to our part of the world. Amen. I'm 58 years old. Just do the math. I was born in 64. So check this out. It was in the very late 60s and the early 1970s that, was, that there was a revival, and it was referred to as the Jesus People Movement. Jesus people. A lot of these Jesus people, I mean hundreds of thousands of people that came to Jesus during that era, late 60s, early 60s. Anybody else remember that? Is anybody around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see some hands. 
God was doing some crazy things. I went to a four-square church growing up as a young grade schooler down in the San Fernando Valley. You could barely get into church. I mean, like, I just remember, like, there was no place to sit. There, there was literally, just picture this, so many people that there was people sitting all over the floor around the pastor because there was no more chairs. I mean, I mean, I just thought it was normal. I'm just like this kid going to church. It's like there were people that would wait for hours to get in the door to come to church. And so many of the people that were coming to Jesus during the Jesus people movement were young people and hippies Okay, remember that word? <laughs> Young people and hippies that before that time had absolutely no interest in Jesus. They had no interest in faith. They had never thought about going to church. What would I do that for? And yet God's pull, God's draw on their heart was so significant. And, and I'm, I'm seeing one of the magazine covers up here. I want to show you, because this was not isolated in my church or whatever. I wanted to show you three magazine covers from the biggest magazines of that era. Here's Time Magazine that declared, and I just love this, the Jesus Revolution. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Nick's Magazine. Here's, here's Life Magazine that did a cover article on the great Jesus rally in Dallas. And then this may be my favorite right here. I kind of blocked out most of the swimsuit here. But right across from that woman's navel, okay, I want you to look at what it says in Look Magazine. This February 1971, today's kids turning to Jesus, turning from drugs. Listen. Friends, this, you can take the bathing suit off. You can just go back to the blank screen there. I, I don't want her behind me. It's like, no, no one wants to see that stuff on a Sunday morning, I'm telling you. But I just had to show you. This was epic in proportion. This wasn't like some church doing some campaign, hey, let's do an advertisement, let's, put, you know, let's go on Facebook and get people, you know, a few extra people to come. This was a work of God. This was revival. Now, why, why am I talking about this? Because... As I look at what has been happening within society, not, not just recently, but like over the past decades, like as a pastor, like I'm very aware of just cultural trends and things that are happening. I read lots of articles, read research that's going on. Listen, for decades, they have charted a precipitous decline of faith. Precipitous just means like it's a steep decline, right? A decline in faith. People that still kind of may be spiritual, some, but have abandoned any like actual faith in Jesus. And because of that, you know, they've walked out of like a church relationship. And this has been going on for decades. Now, then when the pandemic hit, I don't think the pandemic like made people abandon their faith. I, there, there may be a handful, but I think some other people probably came to faith during the pandemic. But you know what the pandemic did? It accelerated the trend that had already been going on for decades. So what do we need God to do? I believe we need God to bring revival once again. 
I believe that God will bring revival. When we prepare our lives and our hearts and we just say, God, whatever it takes, have your way with us. But friends, I think that what, we've, what we're seeing here in 2 Peter chapter 1 is a way forward into those very things. This whole spirit of revival is why I believe that God led me to do this series on an upgraded faith. Where we would say, God, I want to not just have a faith, I want to have a useful, productive, effective faith. One that you, Lord, could look at and bless, actually, come on, supercharge, like with, with revival. That like, we're going to be hearing stories about some of your coworkers. They're like coming up to you saying, hey, t- would you tell me about Jesus? Like, what? Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Next door neighbors. That like, you just, they're partiers, you know, they're, they're out there doing their life, they're doing their thing. And then all of a sudden you're in your backyard and you're listening over and they got worship music playing. Are you, what is going on? Because one of the markers of revival is people coming to Jesus even before they come to church. Like people just like responding to the Lord out in their workplaces and in their neighborhoods and in their homes, just calling out to Jesus. Then they go and find a church because they say, I don't even know what's going on in my life. Can you help make sense of what's going on in here? And I promise you this. I have no interest in pastoring a church just to manage its steady decline. I don't want to do that. Let me ask you, do you want to be part of a church or a faith that is just like, we're just just managing decline here. We're going to hold on till it's done and then cash it in and go to heaven. No way. I don't want that. You don't want that. So you know what? Let's choose revival. Let's choose to be people whom God can bless and that God can supercharge what it is that we're doing. And you know what Peter's telling us here? Add to your faith. Don't settle the like, well, I've got Jesus, I'm good, I'm going to heaven someday, but add to it. And this is what we've been looking at. And we see it here again in 2 Peter 1.5, make every effort Peter is urging. Like, do you just hear the urge, the urgency in his words? Make every effort to do this. Do not settle. Recognize that God has more for you, that he wants to do more in you and do more through you. Make every effort to add to your faith. Now listen, we're not... We're not going to take a ton of time this morning to go back over some of the things we've already kind of laid the groundwork for, but if you have not kind of been with us in this series, go back to message number one, right? And get it on our podcast. You'll find out on our website. Go to, go to YouTube. You're going to find uh, the videos there and, and check this out and follow along with us to make sure that you understand. So he says, add to your faith. Then what he does is he lists seven different things that Peter said, hey, a lot of things you need to add to your faith, but here's seven essentials. Here's seven things that like good, really important things and start here. You know, and we've been talking over the last two weeks about the first one that he mentioned, goodness. But then he, he goes on from there. Seven things. He says, add goodness, 
knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And then he says this in verse eight, after he lists those seven things, he gives this promise from God. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, like in other words, keep growing, keep adding, keep upgrading, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or put it this way, if you upgrade your faith and continue to add to it and grow, you will be effective, you will be productive, you will have a useful faith. Amen? So that's like the context out of which we've been ministering these last few weeks. And first couple weeks, I said, you know, we, we really dove deep into that first in the list, goodness, add goodness. Just because you come to Jesus, don't make you a good person. So we talked over the last two weeks, how do we add goodness? Today, we're talking about love, the end of the list. What we're not going to do over these seven weeks is, or, or next weeks is go through all seven things that Peter said. We're going to do the bookends, first and the last thing. Because I believe they're really comprehensive. Goodness and love. If you don't have, add goodness to your faith, your faith is going to fall apart. If you don't add love to your faith, your faith's going to amount to nothing. So today what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at love. And what we're going to do is we're going to turn to the most remembered and famous scripture on love that's in the Bible. And there's a lot of them. Now, when you get to the New Testament, love, 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 love. But there is one particular passage, and it is 1 Corinthians 13, that is really, it's the love chapter, a chapter devoted to helping people understand love. And I want you to check this out. It's here why Paul is teaching why it is essential to upgrade our faith with love. I want you to see 1 Corinthians 13. We're gonna be looking just at the first seven verses, but I want you to to look at it with fresh eyes with the understanding that, oh, when, when Peter said to add love to my faith, Paul is now teaching us first why it's important to do it in the first three verses, and then he's gonna tell us what that actually looks like. I'm warning you, Paul does not pull any punches here. So everybody like, tighten your gut, get ready for a gut punch, okay? Because Paul's going to get after it here. What happens with those he starts out if you don't, if you don't take this seriously to upgrade your faith with love? 1 Corinthians 13.1, this is how he starts. If I could speak all the languages of earth, which there's a lot of them, by the way, and of angels, so both earthly knowledge, spiritual knowledge, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Bang, bang, bang. 
I can do this all morning. Bang, bang. That's all I would be. I want you to think about what he said. Like, how knowledgeable would you have to be? How smart would you have to be to know all of the languages on earth? There's not just hundreds of languages. Because of dialects and everything, I believe there's thousands of languages spoken around the earth. And the language of heaven. All earthly knowledge, all spiritual knowledge. Super. Two big thumbs up. Okay? And yet, without love, all we are is a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We just become noisy and obnoxious to the people around us. Obnoxious. Like, why would you want someone around us? Bang, every time, oh, here she comes. Bang, here he comes. Oh, plug your ears, everybody. This represents people who know something. They know something, but they don't have love. And so what they do is they like are chasing people down with their knowledge. You got to know what I know because you're wrong and I'm right. And so I'm going to like chase you down, hold you down and pummel you with the truth. Until you submit to it. And all it is, without this love, is it is just this noisy, obnoxious mess that we think is faith. That we think that, no, that's how God wants us to live and behave as believers. And he's like, no, 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 no. Did you see how I live? Did, did I do that with people? No. Don't do that. This is a useless faith. One that is ineffective and unproductive because love has not been added to knowledge. Then he goes on in verse two. Tighten up your gut a little bit more. Gut punch. Verse two, if I had the gift of prophecy, sounds good. And I understood all of God's secret plans. Wow. You're amazing. And possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, this is like crazy amazing. I want to meet this guy. But didn't love others? I would be nothing. So this goes beyond just knowledge. This is like miracle working power. I don't just know stuff, I can do stuff. I don't just move mountains. Before I move them, I prophesy to him, you're gonna get moved. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me go. You need a word? Boom, I got a word for you. Need a miracle? Boom. And I think Paul, he's not mocking those things. He's like, good for you. You don't have love. You are nothing. In other words, all of that knowledge and all of that 
spiritual power is useless without love. He is promising it will be ineffective. And what you think it's going to produce, it's not going to produce. It will be ineffective and non-productive. I told you, he's not holding any punches here. And then, verse three. <laughs> if I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, now just pause right there. He is saying, if I became like Jesus and sacrificed myself for the lives of others, right? If I, if I did that, friends, you know what? That's like really cool. He says, I could boast about it. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would gain nothing. Everybody say gain. gain. See, that's like being productive. Like when I do something, it actually produces a good return. He is stating so succinctly and powerfully that if we do not add love to our faith, that we would be people who absolutely are ineffective, unproductive, and have a useless faith. And it doesn't matter how much you know, it doesn't matter how spirit-filled and powerful you are in the ways of God, it doesn't even matter if you like cry, climb on a cross like Jesus to sacrifice yourself for others, if you don't have love, it's useless. It's useless. When I, when I look at these three verses, what I see is that actually we are, it, it, it's a faith that is worse than worthless because he says we're also obnoxious. So it's not only non-productive, it's obnoxious to others. This is what it says. He says that without love added to our faith, you know what we are? Noisy nothings. Noisy nothings. We're noisy, we're obnoxious, and we are nothing and we gain nothing. That's what's in those three verses. Without love, We are noisy nothings. But check it out. Here's the good news, friends. Check this out. Reverse all that. And I, and I just think that's such a powerful concept when you're reading scripture, and you, especially when you hear something that's pretty negative, just throw it in reverse for a minute. Reverse the verse, right? And see, what would that look like if I just did the opposite of those things? You know what he's saying? If you do add love to your faith, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to be a noisy nothing. You are going to be a beautiful something. Yeah. A beautiful something. Something that others around you, they're not, they don't think you're obnoxious. They're actually like inviting you in. Hey, Liz, would you come and like hang out? Like, I, I, don't, I don't actually even know what's going on in your life, but I see something yeah. is going on in you that I want to know more about. I'm drawn into these people because there's love there. 
So rather than like being a nothing with this, has this useless, ineffective, non-productive faith, no, we're actually beautiful somethings. Something is going on in your story that's beautiful. And I may not understand it all. I don't even maybe know what it is, but it's something and it's good. And I want some of that. So can I hang out with you? That is what happens when you put that into reverse and see the beauty there, the power of what happens when we upgrade our faith with love. So he goes on. A few more verses because not, that was like why we need to upgrade our faith. And then he's like, now here's what it's gonna look like if you upgrade your faith with love. And he gets into this very famous portion of scripture and it starts in verse four of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. (laughs) Never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Friends, this is what a useful faith looks like. And Kati, if you just leave that up there, you can just leave that scripture up there. Because I'd just like us to look at that and to meditate on it for a moment. This is what a useful faith looks like. This is not a natural love, friends. Like all those thousands of love songs you've heard over your lifetime, Yeah, this ain't it. All those romance novels, all those Hallmark movies, right? This ain't what they're talking about. That is a form of love. Those are some, maybe even some beautiful aspects of love. But this is a supernatural love, not just a natural love. Remember, this is a love that is added to our faith that is an upgrade to our faith that allows our faith to become actually really, really useful and effective. And I believe that these words can help us because sometimes maybe even love is too big of a concept. God, I don't know how to add love. That's so big. So he breaks it down for us. What can you add to your faith not being rude? Oh, Okay, Lord, thank you for that reminder. (laughs) Can you add to your faith patience? How about just being kind? I I love, as I've meditated on this list, just something that has really stood out to me uh, is is the phrase, that love does not demand its own way. Anybody else like a little bit of a control freak or I really want it my way? 
I really want to insist that it's done the way I want it to be done. This is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to taste like. This is how you're going to like behave around me. You know what? Love. Oh. Now, what if we even took this list and like somehow like overlaid it over our social media postings? Am I, am I patient with people or do I just like flare up and blow up when people say things I don't like? Am I patient? Am I kind? Or do I demand my own way? I want my voice to be heard because what I'm saying is more important. And you know what? When we do that, you know what we're doing? Bang, bang, bang. People are like, mute, unfollow, delete. Rather than like, no, you know what? I, I want to take Steve for coffee and figure out what's going on. Why, why is he, man, I know he doesn't agree with me, but why is he always so kind? I know this is not what he believes in. Hmm. Could it be that these very kinds of things, these love upgrades, multiple. Because remember what Peter said, that like as you are adding these things in increasing measure, you will be effective. So maybe there's this long love list because love is the greatest. And because, so in this continual adding in that like, man, I get one part right and then I realize that there's another part of my love upgrade that's missing. So I've got to like add in this other one and keep, keep adding. And that, that last thing that it says, that it, it endures through every circumstance. I mean, you recognize that this is a tenacious love. This is not this like warm, cuddly, little, you know, petting little fuzzy kittens type of a love. This is like a tenacious representation of our faith. What if that as we begin to live our faith out with a love upgrade, that it actually would pave the way for that revival that we are crying out for? That love would actually be what melts hearts, transforms minds, and actually draws people in rather than pushing them away. What does love look like? It looks like Jesus. Again, this is not a natural love. This is a supernatural love. So when we see Jesus, we see all these kinds of things reflected. And here's the beautiful thing. This is the way that he treats you and me. Aren't you glad that Jesus has been patient with you? Yes. That he's been kind to you? Yes. That he's endured all your crap? Oh, you know, like he endured with you, like, no, I'm not going to just smite them. No, I, I'm going to endure because they're going through stuff. And so my love doesn't fade. I'm not losing hope. 
and my son and my daughter. Jesus, thank you for loving us this way. And now, Jesus, we ask, would you help us, Lord, to upgrade our faith? Lord, not just with goodness, which is so important, that we would walk in continual repentance, continual forgiveness, but that, God, that we would add in this continual love that we are walking in. Lord, that we would reflect you beautifully to the world around us. That our lives and hearts would not just be transformed, but Lord, we would begin to see that happen out into the relationships around us. Lord, help us to upgrade our faith with, with love. Because we do not want a useless faith. We do not want to be noisy nothings that push people away. God, we want to be people who you would be able to supercharge our faith. That we would be people of great faith and that we would be, become a people, become a church, become a community of faith that reflects you in these ways. So Jesus, help us. Empower us. Send revival as you have done before. I, I mentioned how good it is that we see these very things reflected in how Jesus relates to us. Friends, Jesus has been patient with you and with me. He has been kind. But he also says that each one of us one day will be accountable for our lives. Not only for what we've done, but who we put our trust in. And so I just invite you to receive of God's love today. If you've been someone that has been resistant and been like, nah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not ready. Hey, today's your day. Recognize that God, who sent his son, did that because of his love for you. God loved the world so much that he sent his son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. He did it because of his love. He loves you that much. Would you receive of it? Would you receive of his kindness and his goodness, his mercy, his forgiveness, everything that he has for you? So Jesus, if there's anyone, Lord, that is here today or anybody that's watching online or listened to a podcast that you are drawing into yourself, Lord, may they respond to you today in Jesus' name. And friend, if that's you, if you're like, I need God's love, I want it now. I need that. Would you do this? Would you just raise your hand and look up at me and say, that is me today. Ma'am, yes, I agree with you. Yes, I agree again. Yeah, you guys, it's your day. It's your day. Amen. Amen. Anybody else that just wants to say yes to Jesus today and receive of his love? Listen, don't test his patience. Run to it. Don't test his kindness. Run to it. Don't test his love. Run to it. Jesus. I'm going to invite our ministry team to come forward.
Listen, I, I don't know everyone's story here, but I'll tell you what, Jesus does. And he loves you so much. Anything in your story that needs healing, that needs redemption, that needs God's touch. Man, we have some awesome people up here. Dana's in the courtyard. If you're in the courtyard, want prayer, don't leave today without saying, man, would you just pray for me? And especially those people that just raised their hands and said, hey, today's my day. I'm saying yes to the love of Jesus. Please come down here and say, would you pray? Because today I said yes. They have a gift for you. We have a little yes booklet. Lisa, if you'd make sure that we have those available. This, is, this explains what this means to say yes to Jesus. We'd love to give that to you as a gift and just put that into your hand. God bless you. Keep pressing in to the things of Jesus. Keep upgrading your faith. We're gonna build on this next Sunday. Don't miss out. We're shifting from the, the what of upgrade to how. How can we do these continual upgrades? That's next Sunday. Join us. You're loved, guys. See you soon.